The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Are you spooked out of your brains yet? <laughs> I'm your co- oh. I'm your co-ghost James Kaminsky, and I'm your co-ghost Paul Kaghostly. <laughs> and welcome back to another uh, spooktacular episode. Today we're talking about. Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody! <laughs> We're recording this a little before Halloween, so... And a little drunk. And a little bit drunk. I, Yeah. Yeah, the presidential debates are on, so I, mm, I had a little topical. bit to drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Anywho, um, I had the spookiest thing happen to me today that's Ooh. not podcast-related. I went to the dentist and got a filling... <laughs> You had plaque and gingivitis. That's a that's a vampire ghost. That's a ghost that died. <laughs> that was a vampire in life. Because vampires have to die eventually, right? Like there should be there are ghosts of vampires that are immortal, but once they're stabbed through the heart, like they come back. We should ask Jack about that. I, I feel like it's like, like would... a lich. Is that a lich? I think it's a lich. Is that a lich? That's, that's real. I think that's a lich. Jack would know. Yeah. Um, anyway, this episode we're entitling Jack-O-Lantern. Do you get it? I do. It's great. Well, this podcast is a podcast about Jack White and his music, uh, although you would never know that from our spooktacular introduction. Um. This just keeps getting better with every take. Um. Uh. So we talk about Jack White music and albums, and we're on a historical journey through the ages. So that we can iron out all those wrinkles in your brains. <laughs> and stop being so wrong about things. <laughs> please email us if we're wrong. For God's sake, please email us. Yes. So um, all, all spookiness aside, this is a Jack White history podcast, and we're going to talk today about... Halloween... Uh, Third Man Records related things because it's Halloween week. It's not a stretch at all. <laughs> we figured we'd keep things festive. So we scoured the Jack White, uh, we scoured the Jack White internets for anything related to Jack White and Halloween or general spookiness to bring it to you in this sort of a more loosey goosey edition of the Third Men podcast. Right. It's a little bit of history, a little bit of fun, a little bit of spooky ghosts, perhaps. Mm, who I care for the most, perhaps. Oh, so that leads us into, I think, our first topic. Becoming a ghost. I was walking with a ghost. The title of our... I said, please... <laughs> The title of Please our first just say exist. it. God damn it! <laughs> the title of our first segment is called "Becoming a Ghost," and this is a feature on the Jack White ghost character, which pops up in a lot of his songs. He does say the word "ghost" an awful lot. <laughs> uh, James, as you would agree, I'm sure Jack White has a lot of consistent characters in his songs, including the female god. And That's right. You're Susie Lee. Your Susie Lee's, and uh, one of the most prominent ones, if not the most prominent one, is Ghosts. Right. Uh, off the top of my head, Little Ghost being one of them. Yeah, so, so we're going to go through the different ghost-related uh, mentions and tips of the hat in Jack White's song, starting with Get Behind Me Satan's Little Ghost. Ooh! 
That was me being real scared. <laughs> so to get us in the mood, let's listen to a little ghost. Little ghost, little ghost, what I'm scared of most. Can you scare me up a little bit of love? I'm the only one that sees you and I can't be much to please you. And it's not your time to meet the Lord above. The first moment that I met her, I did not expect the specter when I shook her hand. So as you can hear, a uh, ghost in this song, I think, is a an allusion to, uh, once again, I, I have to believe ghosts are part of, like, Jack's talking about relationships, right? You know, he's talking about either himself or somebody else fading in and out of life, in this case, the life of a relationship. And in this song in particular, he's talking about treasuring this ghost. It's interesting, though, because I honestly, you know, I get I get the metaphor. But whenever I'm listening to the song, I honestly am just picturing like ghosts or <laughs> he's talking about a little ghost. Like I take it at very face value when I'm yeah. listening to these types of songs. Um, they call you face value Kaminsky. Uh, so here's what here's what gives me this impression. He, he talks about love. He says, can you scare me up a little bit of love? I'm the only one that sees you and I can't do much to please you. And it's not yet time to meet the Lord above. So. I, you know, is it Meg? You know, I, I don't know. Is it, you know, because she can be a little apparitious. Well, this was this was during the time of Zellweger, or post-Zellweger, wasn't it? It is post-Zellweger. That's definitely true. She faded in and out of his life. The first moment that I met her, I did not expect a specter. When I shook her hand, I really shook a glove. She's not really there. So you know? perhaps about Regina Specter. Check. Check. One, two. Check. Uh, but I do really think this song. I think this is a love song. I think I think Ghost in general he uses as, as love song material. Yeah, I can definitely tell during his Lazaretto bit in is it Alone in My Home. Yeah, yeah, Alone in My Home, where he talks about you know being a ghost and no one noticing him and all that stuff. So well, yeah. Well, let's move on to Alone in My Home, released on the Lazaretto album. The ghost that visits me the most drops by because they know they can find me here again. <laughs> He's looking for privacy in his home, but these apparitions keep appearing in and out of his life, whether they be women or friends or something. But he uses it as this elaborate kind of metaphor. Well, you know he's got three women. It is a spooky ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say dead, blonde, and brunette. but Also very good. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's good. So there's a little bit of break in the ghost stuff because it does skip ahead to Lazaretto and Alone Alone in My Home, but that's not the only ghost reference we get on that album. James, do you know the other one? Is it the, um... I know what you want for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh... My my love. love. Yeah, uh, Would You Fight for My Love was the other one I was thinking of where he talks about himself being a ghost. Getting better at becoming a ghost. I'm getting better at becoming becoming a ghost. ghost. That song that had to grow on me a little bit. I didn't like that one the first. It's time a pretty ever. good tune. I like that one. Yeah, I like it eventually. But especially when you see the video for that song, like he looks, I think he's playing the part of a ghost in that song. And just in terms of like in the bar and, you know, nobody's really looking at one another. Everybody's sort of looking off into nothingness. And even the singing on that has got that spooky, like, let's, let's, let's hit that. Yeah, that's real good. It's uh, he's. I mean, even the complexion. I mean, his. It's his natural complexion. But my God, he looks ghostly ill in right. that video. Oh, yes, he does. And so, ghost as relationship metaphor continues into his ex-wife's album. Oh, the ghost who walks. Yeah, Karen Nelson stuff. And she is the ghost that walked in and out of his life. That album from 2010, produced and mixed by Jack. Also, fun fact, features Dean Fertitta, Olivia Jean, and Jack Lawrence. Ah, so it's got a nice little mix of uh, dead weather in there. We'll do a show on this album. It's actually, there's a lot, there's a lot to like about it. Other two credits worth a mention, Rob Jones did the design. Awesome. Rob Jones, super talented guy. Our buddy Rob Jones, which uh, is a, a... 
frequent design collaborator of Jack and who we talked about last episode. And then mastered by Andrew Mendelson, who mastered and co-mixed all of Acoustic Recordings 1998 oh. to 2016. Yeah. Yeah, so we got a real who's who on that album. But anyway, so that album, a very wispy, very spooky, very ghost-like anyway, but you could you could draw the comparison to Karen, and I'm sure she wasn't not influenced by Jack's various beliefs and metaphors. And right, like. yeah. she. I mean, even the album cover's kind of spooky. It's got her super tall and weird, lanky looking. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's spooky. Oh, yeah. And then the last one I've got here is, uh, of course, what you sang earlier in the podcast, a cover of Tegan and Sarah's Walking with a Ghost, Mm -hmm. which was released as an EP in 2005. Uh, The EP also includes cuts, live cuts of Same Boy You've Always Known, Ugly As I Seem, Denial Twist, and Screwdriver. Screwdriver! (laughs) And a bit of passive manipulation uh, that actually goes unmentioned there. But that was originally written and recorded by Tegan and Sarah in 2004. And uh, also, fun fact on that one, and this is a little ghostly in and of itself, which Jack probably incorporated in the production of this, but it's the only song... Incorporeolated. <laughs> that was your up in your pun, pun game. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was the only White Stripes song up to that point, and maybe ever to use backmasking, which is the backwards stuff. So you oh. hear him talk backwards in it. He's actually saying, out of my mind, backwards. I was always wondering what he said. That I, I was always going to, like try and and figure out some series of youtube applications or something yeah. uh see what he was saying but now i know well, so. stripespedia gave us the answer thank you stripespedia thank a great jack white resource on the interwebs but that that song as well you can interpret as a, very much a relationship song walking with a ghost side by side please don't exist you know no matter mm-hmm. which way i go that kind of thing uh the, the person's always with you um so I think that's a that's a common theme that runs through it, and I'm sure there are more mentions. If you think of more ghost mentions in there, please tell us. But those are the ones that that came to mind. Yeah, we're not going to mention them ever. We're just going to look at them and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> and say, please, <laughs> please don't, don't exist. exist. So let's we'll move on to our next topic. Yes. So our next topic is going to be the topic of <sighs> Devil's Night. Clap of thunder, clap of thunder. Well, I'm going to start uh, by talking about one of the first Devil's Nights Third Man Records ever put on in 2010. Devil's Night, for those of you who don't know, is also called Mischief Night in some parts of the country. It's the night before Halloween, October 30th, and it's where kids go out and they do mischief and pranks and stuff. But Devil's Night got its start in Detroit, Michigan. And it got famous for a rash of arsons and breaking and enterings that hit its peak in 1984. Uh, Basically, uh, in 1984, there were 800 buildings set ablaze in Detroit. Whoa, jeez. Camden also, uh, Camden, New Jersey, rivaled it in the 90s um, with their mischief night. But yeah, the the Detroit... Jack would have been been nine years old. yeah. Yeah, that probably he... would have left an impression. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was in the middle of the city, too. He's definitely known to have uh, committed some mischief in in the book uh, Fell in Love with a Band, which is a great book. I do recommend it. it the author details uh, Jack and Dominic Succota going and dropping uh, toilets in an abandoned warehouse through the elevator shaft. What? <laughs> 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 but he's such a good Catholic boy. Uh, yeah, what he happened? is. He is. But it was a, it was an abandoned like factory. He was just dropping oh. toilets down elevator shafts. What a weird Bard and Millhouse thing to do. Hey, Millhouse, you want a job in my factory? You don't have a factory. Hey, I'm a busy man. You want a job or not? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yo, ser- that's the first thing that came to my oh. mind is when Bard owned a factory. Got Millhouse to be security. Your son owns a factory downtown. <laughs> First it started falling over, then it fell over. Wow. When Detroit had had enough of these uh, awful, awful things happening to it, they decided to have an awareness campaign and change the night to Angel's Night instead of Devil's Night. And uh, it actually did help, though. Uh, in fact, it's, it's now just back to merry pranksters and fun, good times. Even though it's still called Devil's Night, you know, by not the police department. Yeah, and not Martin. Right. right. <laughs> it's Angel's Night now, fellas. I don't know what voice that was. That was your best, Martin. Martin. It was great. Um, That's all I got. Ha <laughs> ha! So, uh, yeah, it must have had a, a huge impact on Jack, though, 
because he started his own Devil's Night tradition in Nashville at his store in which, you know, they would host a concert that's themed with Halloween-y kind of things. Basically, what he hosted was a 21 and over costume ball almost of a concert with you know live music and with an actual carnival there they were advertising like a full car like a full carnival yeah right outside in the parking lot they advertised it in their press release as if you are driving you will see that the parking lot out front has been transformed into the devil's night carnival (laughs) freaks games tricks and treats we got them you can actually watch there's a dvd of it which i'll get into in a minute but you know there's tents set up outside and there's fire breathers and jugglers and sword swallowers it's crazy wait there's a dvd yes uh the dvd of the 2010 devil's night concert was released in 2012 as vault number 10 ah so yeah to ebay with me (laughs) exactly so you could get the dvd as vault number 10 you know you get all the acts and you get some other side stuff and it's pretty cool for anyone who doesn't know and i assume you know if you're listening to this crazy crazy thing we're doing but the vault package is jack white's quarterly subscription service where he sends a package of a themed usually records dvds music memorabilia that kind of thing right uh, you always get you always get at least one record album, one forty-five, and one piece of ephemera. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, James has been a Vault member longer than I. I am now a Vault member for the for the past year or so. And anyway, those who had the foresight enough to start the Vault early got really cool stuff, like this Devil's Night DVD, which I didn't even know existed. Right. It's uh, it's pretty cool, and I don't own it, but I hope to soon. <laughs> yeah. It's so. Amazing. I'll race you uh, for it. Yeah, there's a cool promo video that has some some nifty stuff you can find for the for the Vault DVD. So this Devil's Night was hosted on October 30th, 2010. Started at 8 p.m. Had a full bar. It, nice. Uh, costumes were required. If you didn't have a costume on, you could not get in. So even the acts had to wear costumes. Jack White was seen dressed as an astronaut, which. Cool. Uh, it's right up his alley. He's a big yeah. Carl Sagan fan, it seems, and he mm-hmm. recently launched, launched the uh, space probe uh, to play the world's first record played in space, space, <laughs> space, space, which is spooky if you think about it, because no one can hear you scream. Check. Check one. There were two main performances that night. The first was the Black Bells. Nice. Uh, playing their first live gig ever. That was pretty cool. Here's a snippet of their performance. actually going to do a whole show on olivia jean uh coming soon so we'll get into a lot of their stuff later but if you haven't heard the black bells go out and pick up that that album they put out on third man it's fantastic yeah it's it's real good and i like i like the bells i like g olivia jean i like all their stuff real little solid. boo oh little boo love little boo that's kind of halloweeny little boo yeah. well the black bells in general are pretty halloweeny which is why i think they were perfect for this concert they were dressed totally. in typical black bells garb so you know you could argue that they weren't in costume but they, well, they were yeah. in costume it was witchy you know yeah which is like goth gear like witch related regalia real big hats uh real just big hats yeah little boo got a big hat oh little boo So yeah, this was their first live gig ever, and they played four songs, all kind of vaguely Halloween-y. I mean, that's their band's shtick. Casting My Spell on You was one of the songs. The Witch was another one. And then the other band was the Greenhorns. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. They were there to celebrate their new album release called Star, 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 Star. It's f- four asterisks. <laughs> Just if I could for a moment... They had they put out an album in 2010. Yes, that's Jack Lawrence and Keeler, right? Yes, uh, and they put it out on Third Man Records, and it's called Four Stars. Wow, it's a solid album, actually. I do. I I didn't like the Greenhorns' early stuff, but the Rack and Tours really polished up Lawrence and Keeler. 
and yeah. it's it's pretty solid. I, I do like it a lot. The Greenhorns were actually dressed up in different gear for the show. They were dressed up as ZZ Top. Yeah, that's great. Which is amazing. And they even had a ZZ Top drum head on, <laughs> on the that's drum. That's awesome. Yeah. And they had the beards and everything. Um, they even went so far as to cover LaGrange by ZZ Top. It's pretty good. Very nice. Very yeah. Nice. They, they didn't do my favorite ZZ Top song, I'm assuming. No, no. They did not do... No, they didn't do that one, but that's okay. Uh, they didn't have any Frisbees anyway. Hey, Frisbee, far out. But what they did have in terms of swag at this place was an exclusive 7-inch Black Bells Elvira picture disc, which I'm going to get into in a second. Don't fret, jackheads. I'm going to get into who hosted this event in a second. <laughs> It was a glow-in-the-dark die-cut coffin sleeve. The inside you found an Elvira picture disc, the seven-inch single. It also included uh, instructions for Elvira's secret makeup formula. What? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. The actual disc is, is really awesome. They also offered the Greenhorns uh, newest album, Four Stars, in four different colors. Attention, Greenhorn dogs out there. Uh, I will be buying that album, so just please don't send me any hate mail. Please address all your hate mail to <laughs> Greenhorn Dog FAQ <laughs> at <laughs> at hatemail.com. At hatemail.com. <laughs> so, yeah, to get to the Elvira connection, Elvira, the mistress of the dark herself, was the host of the 2010 Devil's Night. She was the MC, pretty much. I can think of no better host for a Devil's <laughs> Night. Oh, it's perfect. Yes. She's. She's just the right level of creepy and, and awesome, and it's great. And she has a lot of Jack White connections, actually. What? Yeah, with, with uh, releases and stuff. Uh, Jack White actually produced a theme for her, Elvira's Movie Macabre. Wow. The when theme, was that? The theme was by the Black Bells. Ah! The, so. the Elvira picture disc was the Black Bells theme song wow. for Elvira's Movie Macabre. It included ah. both a... A version with lyrics and a version without. The version without is the one that's actually used in the movie, in the show. Uh, uh, it's really cool. Uh, let's take a little listen to the one that's the instrumental. I wasn't actually I wasn't actually shocked by that any of that. I was just turning into a werewolf. <laughs> because it's Halloween. <laughs> it's a dark instrumental. It's got some really heavy guitar work. It's a cool it's a cool it's a cool little tune. Cool little tune, Elvira. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh pimply faced teen. So many um, voices this episode. Yeah, seriously. All Simpsons related, too. Sorry, White Stripes. No hard feelings? No. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, Elvira also released an album with Third Man Records in 2013 called Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. It was a seven-inch single again. The songs on the single, can you guess what you might think one Elvira song is? If you can't, then don't worry about um. it. Mm, uh, Monster Mash? No. But there was Two Big Pumpkins. Ah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so Two Big Pumpkins was one of the appropriately named songs on the album. Um, yep, this is getting worse by the minute. <laughs> the, uh, the other side was 13 Nights of Halloween. That one's fine. Okay, yeah, that one's that all one's right. Fine. That one's fine. Very Halloween-y, well. though. It was a clear purple disc. Uh, the gimmick was cover sleeve that had heat-sensitive imagery on it, so Elvira would materialize whenever the front or back was warmed. Wow. And she would show up on, on there. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. The front, she's just normal-looking, and in the back, she's kind of zombified. There's also a music video for Two Big Pumpkins. 
so yeah, it was a, it was a spooktacular kickoff to, to the Devil's Night festivities, which brings us to our next topic. Ah, Devil's Night 2014! So I did a spotlight on the on Devil's Night four years after the first one, so they were really getting their mojo working. Mm-hmm. And I spotlighted this because Jack's costume for this year was a hyper-realistic Tin Man from The Wizard <laughs> of Oz. And he's in full... I'm telling you, you can't even tell it's him. We'll have a picture of this on the show notes on the website. He's in complete body paint, like the whole nine yards. It is spectacular. He would. It's good. It's a good costume. He would feel like he needs, you know, his... He would probably sing about, like, a girl giving him oil or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. So this is all via Nashville Scene, which is, I guess, a local paper or press agency in Nashville. Guests were greeted at the door by fire breathers, corpse butchers, homophobic clowns, whatever that means, and a a gas-masked man on stilts next to a bathtub of blood. Whoa. Whoa. So, a <laughs> lot to unpack there. Actually, let's keep it in the suitcase. Don't need to know, but very strange. Yeah, it sounds I'm, a little I'm bound like, to pack it up, Paul. <laughs> it sounds a lot like like he just took a couple acts from the, the carnival from 2010. He's like, all right, I like you, you, and what, what are you, a homophobic clown? You. <laughs> are you sure it says homophobic? <laughs> Yes, we'll have a link to the the article on the on the show notes. You sure it didn't uh, say hydrophobic? Like they were very afraid of water. <laughs> that's why there was only blood in the bathtub. That's right. Uh, they hated water. The hallway uh, to the courtyard had a thick fog and strobe lights, while red rum was written on all the mirrors in all the restrooms. So very detail oriented there. Very very cool. The blue room where they had the live performances, they put spider webs and uh, on all the taxidermy animals that were sort of there anyway. Mm. <laughs> and uh, a business named Bang Candy made chocolate coffins and cinnamon and cayenne. Ian Bark. Uh, so that sounds very, very good. It sounds delightful. Musical acts performing. Olivia Jean performed nice. songs from her new album at the time, Bathtub Love Killings. Uh, which, maybe that's what the blood tub was about? That's it. Bathtub Love. That's it. Yeah. You did it. I did good it. Good job. We did it. I love this. First of all, we'll get to it when we get to this Olivia Jean show, which I assure you I'm taking vigorous notes on. I love this album. I just got a new turntable. It's the first record I put on with the new turntable. I, I just think it's fantastic. Anyway, for those nice. of you who don't know, Jack produced it. Olivia wrote, I think, all the songs on there, or at least co-wrote all the songs. She's a, a jack of all trades, and she's fantastic. Which, off that album, has a very spooky Halloween song, Why Do You Haunt Me? Is that, <laughs> is that the yeah. name of the song? Yeah. yeah, let's play a little of that one. I like that one. Why do you haunt me? Why do you haunt me still? So Olivia Jean performed dressed as Lydia from Beetlejuice, but in the bride getup. Oh, cool. I'm Lydia Dietz and I'm of sound mind. The man next to me is the one I want. You ask me, I'm answering. Yes, I love that man of mine. And I'm, pr- I, look, it looks like Lydia in the bride getup. I'm pretty sure it's Lydia in the bride getup. If she wasn't and she was just some sort of dead bride, or I don't want to turn into a turkey myself. <laughs> uh, the other acts have performed Weekend Babes, which I never heard of. I, I checked them out a little. They're pretty cool. Kind of garage rocky kind of thing. Pretty neat. They played. There was also, in addition to the bands, I'll get to the last two in a moment, but a belly dancer performed as well as a magician, Ooh. which I which I think is very, very cool. Very Jack thing to do. Yeah. Instead of instead of pulling rabbits out of his hat, he was pulling squirrels with little acorns. Check. Uh, the band JP5 performed, and they're pretty sweet, I guess. And to close the evening, this band called Jeff, his the front man or the member of that band named Jake Oral, has a side project named Breast Massage, which closed the show. And by all accounts of the journalists of the Nashville scene, it was not that impressive, and people left during it. Wow. <laughs> Apparently, it was hard to top JP5. I would have had Olivia close, 
close the show, but what are you going to do? The MC for the night was someone named Unknown Hinson, which I can't help but think is some sort of weird in-joke, but Unknown, if you're out there, please uh, please write in and let me know who the hell you are. And other notables in attendance were Johanna and Clara Soderberg from First Aid Kit. And First Aid Kid is great if you never heard them. They're they're an awesome duo group. Which brings us to our Rag and Bone of the Week. Rag and Bone! Rag and Bone! Rag and Bone! Rag and Bone! Rag and Bone, for those of you who don't know, is the segment of the show where we talk about something crazy and ridiculous we learned whilst researching Jack White for the show. And this week's Rag and Bone is brought to us courtesy of the Sisters Soderberg of First Aid Kit. While they were leaving... The 2014 Devil's Night at Third Man Records, one of them was hit in the face with a peacock feather. (laughs) Which is the most Jack White thing that could happen, because that man covered tip to toe in peacock feathers on all his outfits. Nothing but peacocks. And so just one of them being hit in the face with that while leaving, yeah. It's ridiculous. That comes with the territory. They should have known what they were getting into. How dare they? They they may have needed a first aid kit. Ragamon. So yeah, the Devil's Night sounds pretty pretty spooktacular. Uh, one thing that was missing from those Devil's Nights, a theremin, which provides one of the spookiest sounds of all. Oh, can we hear a little of that? Oh, we sure can. would be played by Mr. Fats, Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan's. Fats Kaplan. Fats Kaplan. Uh, we're going to get into a whole show on Fats Kaplan at some point. He found his thrill on a Jack White heel. Oh, oh. Yeah, he's he's one of Jack White's current band members playing with his solo band. Yeah, Fats played some parts uh, during the Blunderbuss tour, and also he played during the entirety of the Lazaretto tour. He is one of the coolest session musicians. He's known for playing a lot of different instruments. He's he's a very talented guy. One thing he definitely whips out during the Jack White shows <laughs> is the theremin. <laughs> he's played it at, like... Almost every live show, and for those of you who don't know what a theremin is, a theremin is an electronic instrument, sometimes called an etherphone or a theraminophone, a theraminophone, some other names, and but it, it's it's mostly just called a theremin, which is named after its creator, Leon Theremin. It's an electric musical instrument controlled without actually touching it. the The person p- playing the theremin is called a thereminist. Oh, I was going to go with Thereminister, but uh, I like Thereminist. I'm a Thereminimalist. I don't like a lot of Theremin. Um, I'm a Theremisogynist. I don't like a lot of Thero women. Let's <laughs> so the device is from the, the late 20s. It's two metal antennas that are kind of at an angle and you put your hands around the antenna and depending on the position of your hands a a sound will be created through like radio waves so your one hand is controlling the the sound and the other hand turning oscillators that control the frequency so you're you're basically making these weird ghostly spooky noises um you'll find them in like every old looney tune that's ever created like about ghosts who stumbled on upon that Leon Theremin. Uh, he's uh, he's Russian. I think he's oh. Russian. Yeah, all, all their theremins are in Celsius. It sounds like thermometer. Mm. Thermos? Theodore. So yeah, Fats, Fats Kaplan is known for, for playing uh, this particular instrument at shows, and he does a kick-ass job, and it's such an obscure instrument to hear at a rock concert yeah. um, that most like newspapers tend to take notice. People were writing, like, Jack took a backseat during Missing Pieces for Kaplan to bust out a bizarre and electrifying theremin solo. So even they're <laughs> like, it's bizarre. The Washington Post actually reviewed a show we were at, Merriweather, Maryland. Ah, oh, the Merriweather Post Pavilion. 
Yes. They said multi-instrumentalist Fats Kaplan made sci-fi noises on the theremin, the oddest of all rock and roll implements. <laughs> and that, that was in twenty. Cool. Tw- that was in September 2014, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. You, even the Washington Post noted it. It's 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 a weird thing to have, but they, they use it so well in the show yeah, that it's do. like hardly even noticeable. You just see Fats up there like fiddling with his hands in midair. You just assume he's doing some fancy music thing. Yeah, and Jackhead's out there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the TV also kind of flickers when he does it. I think so, too. I think it oscillates with the same frequency. Jack White's known to do weird, crazy stuff like this because actually during his Tours era, he had a theremin built into his guitar. What? For his live shows, he added a theremin-type effect to his Gretsch Anniversary Junior, he added a lever-activated mute system, a built-in retractable bullet microphone, and a light-activated theremin next to the Bigsby. Wow. That is incredible. I never knew that. That's crazy. White dubbed this the the Green Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and which it, tour was that on? Was that on the Broken Boy Soldiers or...? The second one. I feel like that's second yeah. one. Tour. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's definitely the Consolers of the Lonely Tour. I don't know if you remember him whipping out the like little speaker box. Yes, into that. and I never knew shows. what it was. Yeah, and he would always it would always sound weird and kind of off, and I never really got it at that time. And I, I only started to get it recently. I started to enjoy it more. Wow. And it's featured on uh, It Might Get Loud, and he shows off the little speaker box thing that he's got on it. Doesn't he play that on um, Fly Farm Blues? think so. Well, you know what? Let's hear a little Fly Farm Blues. I love that song. It's not Halloween-y at all. <laughs> okay. Alright, we don't have to. It's fine. So yeah, it's uh... Yeah, what do you got? I know, you hate, you hate Joy. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so the Green Machine, um, I'm getting a lot of this information for Wikipedia, I'm sad to say, because there's not a whole lot of information on it. That we uh, that can I, find. That yeah. I can find. But I did find a lot of people had actually included theremins in their guitars I found on YouTube. Here's one. And so it basically, the closer your hand gets to the strings, a theremin hum will come out of the strings. Oh, that's cool. And this one, it says is light activated. So I don't know, maybe it's depending on the level of strobe and stuff, it... it gives a certain hum wow uh, but it's, it's pretty neat he, he has some weird kitschy guitars uh creates some weird creepy noises it's pretty cool stuff so a lot of these kitschy parts of uh, jack's guitar are not super visible and one thing that is definitely invisible <laughs> is the invisible man <laughs> which is also our song of the week our spooky song of the week <laughs> Every once in a while, this show we do a segment called "Song of the Week," where we pick a song. Our song of the shriek, shriek, like like screaming, where we spotlight a song. <laughs> so this week's song of the week is "Looking at the Invisible Man" from the Dead Weather's "Sea of Cowards" album. A very Halloweeny album, if I do oh, say so myself. Very Halloweeny. This album was put out on May eleventh, twenty ten, just fourteen days after Karen Elson's album. Oh, hot dog. And they they were together at the time, I believe. So, yeah, and, did, you know, another fun fact about this record. Did you know Mile Markers is a hidden track on yes. the paper on that? I had no idea. It is an early version of it, but I saw the grooves on there. I That was, the like, one of the very few Jack White Easter eggs that I've ever found by myself, where I saw the grooves on there, and I'm yeah. like, I wonder if those will play. And it, I heard a very muffled, awful, scratchy mile markers without knowing what it was and i went that was terrible and then then mile markers comes out and i'm like that was great yeah finally this new turntable i have here allows for that non-automatic playback so i can actually find these things now but anyway so uh looking at the invisible man by the way one of my favorite songs in that album it was one of the few songs that i felt jack so the dead weather for me I love the Dead Weather. Sometimes their sound can get a little samey for me, but I felt like this song really took the Dead Weather kind of wonky, kind of warped sound and made something interesting out of it using kind of like rap a little bit. To me, like this is 
building blocks for Jack. Like every once in a while, he starts to rap a little bit in his songs, and this one started down that path. Yeah, it's like. a bit of a step ladder to uh, a three dollar hat. Blues on two trees. Uh, so the song was written by Jack White and Dean Fertitta, and it was recorded at Third Man Studio. And another fun fact I learned about Sea of Cowards is that its release in Russia, Canada, and Argentina was via Warner Brothers. Oh, wow. So I have a new project to obsess over. Yeah. Um, uh, Jack themes present in the song Car Parts That Don't Work, <laughs> like a broke-down <laughs> engine. Yeah, it's very, very Jack White to hark to our first podcast. Jack Beef. Yeah. Jack Beef. He's got beef with that engine. He got beef with cars. Jack does not care for automobiles. If you'd like the full story, check out our first episode where we talk about Big Three Killed My Baby from the first album. And then another theme present, invisibility. Mm -hmm. The idea of becoming a ghost, someone who others can't perceive by traditional means in order to escape. And that that's a theme we, we talked about earlier in the podcast. That's the ghost stuff that kind of is prevalent in his songs. The Invisible Man, just a little context on that, was a sci-fi novella by H.G. Wells in 1897. Um... And it was written after the time machine in Island of Dr. Moreau. HG, by the way, stands for huge ghost. <laughs> it's about a scientist named Griffin who turns himself invisible. And also, another dead weather connection features a character called Dr. Cuss. So if he's hustling... Hustling, Cuss. Slip on the dust? Sure. I want to say, yeah. As a film, it was uh, it debuted in 1933, directed by James Whale, and it was in uh, the sequel, The Invisible Man Returns, 1940, starred Vincent Price. And Spookiest also, man of all time, Vincent Price. Yeah, and there's a host of other spinoffs and sequels, but that's The Invisible Man. And I that, forgot about Hollow Man. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no skin on my bones at all. Touche. So that brings us to our third man of the week. It's our father and yours. Our father, Wayne, <laughs> Jack, Lawrence, Kaminsky, the fifth. Papa. Hello. Hello, Faja. Hi, Dad. Oh, mine, Papa. <laughs> I told you not to be stupid, you moron. <laughs> Dad is here to help us out on our song of the week this week. Isn't that right, James? Shut up! Sit down! <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> This this particular podcast <laughs> is getting weirder by the second. What we're going to do is we're going to play for you The Invisible Man, which is a song by Jack White and The Dead Weather, which is our song of the week. And we are going to get your general impressions and takes and what you thought of it. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I don't do impressions. Oh, yeah. oh, boy. And feel free to make it as spooktacular as possible. Because it's a Halloween episode, so... Are you ready to look at the Invisible Man? Okay. Yeah. That's a good impression. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Here's the Invisible Man. All right. So, um, yeah, so uh, so that was The Invisible Man. What would you think, Pop? Well, my honest opinion. <laughs> yes, please. I know music has changed, but it almost seemed like that was a B-side throwaway. Yeah. All right. It was all over the place. I thought, you know, it had a bit of the Beastie Boys. It had a bit of uh, Cheech and Chong's, that song from their first movie, Mama Talking to Me, Trying to Tell Me How to Live. <laughs> um, it had a bit of Bowie in there. It had a bit of the the 80s film by Chevy Chase called Fletch, that whole keyboard thing, or Nina Cherry, you know, Buffalo Stands, that kind of keyboard in there. It had a bit of Yoko at the end. Uh, <laughs> it, it was all over the place. Um, in my opinion, you know, in an earlier segment, we were talking about would I put this song or album on, and for me personally, I don't think I would listen to it again. That's just me. Yeah, it's um, no offense to uh, Jack White or or the Dead Weather, but um, that's just me. Yeah, they're they're among like Jack White hardcore fans' least favorite bands usually. 
think it's because they're a little more ed- like grittier and I guess for lack of a better term, crunchier. Please direct all your hate mail from that statement to greenhorndogs at hatemail.com. <laughs> I mean, I, I always like, because it has, at the end, it has like a little hip-hop influence. Like they, you said, the Beastie Boys, which mm-hmm. I can hear now. I actually never connected the two together before. But at the end, there's, um, it's it's just shy of hearing the record scratch when he's saying, like, when you know what I'm talking about. So it's kind of interesting. Like, there's a DJ element to that. And Jack White's always had kind of a hip-hop influence in recent uh, years. And it's interesting that me, I understand what the youngsters are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rock and roll is dead yet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the, you know, that Jack's been having these kind of songs lately where he's been incorporating a lot of the hip-hop stuff, and this, these have been occurring more and more in recent years. I have a funny feeling this is where his music is ultimately heading in terms of like an album of that kind of sort of rapish kind of stuff. But we'll sort of see where that goes. I think it's an eclectic mix of, of genres in itself. And I think that has something to do with the dead weather more than it has to do with Jack white. I think partnering with, with Alison Mosshart of the kills and with Dean Fertitta of the Queens of the stone age and Jack Lawrence of the Greenhorns. It's a whole lot of influences coming together to create, something that is an eclectic mix of sounds yes so now dad here's the burning question on everybody's minds in the slasher teenage horror film that starred as the kids trapped in the cabin robert plant john fogarty mickey dolans and pat benatar who dies first wow that's a Kind of a no-brainer, but I'll let you repeat them. A no-brainer. Wait, no, wait, that's zombies. <laughs> no-brainer. Repeat them all over again. All right, so you have Robert Plant, you have John Fogarty, you have Mickey Dolenz, and Pat Benatar all trapped in a cabin in the woods in a horror slasher film. Who's dying first? Well, and who's the killer? Of course, who's dying first is going to be John Fogarty because he's annoying. And uh, the, kill- the killer really is Robert Plant because he just doesn't like anything. Because <laughs> in his old age, he's starting to kill his own voice and kill music. He's killed he's his own voice. He's, he's uh, you know, smacked John Paul Jones in the head and said, you're not going to be in Led Zeppelin anymore. I mean, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. See, I think... I think Mickey Dolenz would be the killer because Mickey Dolenz feels so underappreciated for his musical talents in The Monkees and Davy Jones is taking all this credit. I think I think he would finally snap and he would probably go after Pat Benatar first. No, he's not going to kill Pat Benatar. But I don't think... <laughs> She's the I, only woman in that group. No, no, I think she would get away. Oh. I do think Robert Plant would die first. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I don't wish anybody dead. No, but, no, you no. know this is that Dana Crawl and Robert Plant album. This is a movie. Uh, I don't know about you, but that was a difficult pill to swallow. Wasn't that Alison Krauss? He made an album with her too. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, well, Dad, this has been educational. <laughs> so I think that'll do it for. Yeah, me. that's yeah, gonna Robert do it. Robert Plant's yeah. dead. Yeah, John Fogarty's dead, and we got Mickey Dolenz and Pat Benatar. Hey. I think Bob Denver will rise from the grave in this movie. <laughs> I don't know about Bob Denver, but John Denver. <laughs> Bob Denver and his little buddy. I can't believe I, I mixed up Gilligan and a folk singer. My God. All right. Thank you, Dad, for jo- yeah. Thank you, Dad, You're for joining us. You're on a Rocky us. Mountain High, man. <laughs> That'll do it for our third man of the week. Thank you, Dad, for for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. We hope you'll come back soon. Uh, Thank you, Father. This has been Treat Me Like Your Father. Here, here. That brings our show to a close. Thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you to our third man of the week, uh, Wayne Kaminsky. Thank you, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Dad, 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 That's one of two Back to the Future references, this podcast, gang. Thank you, Father, Father Dearest, for joining us. Also, thank you to my fellow Third Man House Band members, Tom Valenti and Sam Kubert, for the use of our theme song, We're the Third Men. Thank you, guys. It's amazing. Thank you to all you guys listening. 
been real great. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. We're we're a few deep now. Yeah, we're so, we're in too deep. <laughs> yeah, we're in too deep. We can't go back now. But yeah, uh, if you like the show, please share it with a Jack friend of yours. Anybody you know likes Jack White or rock and roll music, uh, please share the show. We don't obviously advertise or get any money whatsoever for this, so the only way we can get the word out is by you guys talking about it and sharing the show and stuff, so thank you in advance for the help, and you could tweet at us. At Third Men Cast. Uh, you could visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Third Men. For show notes and uh, to check on our latest episodes, see episodes past, go to our website, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, leave us a comment on there. Uh, if you like our show on iTunes, please write, uh, rate and review us. Uh, that, that really helps get the word out again. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't advertise on the show, so anything you guys could do to help would be awesome. Thank you for the support. Is that it? Is that and really I think it? that's going to do it for us. So I hope you, everyone out there has a bloody murder-filled Halloween where you die. Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody has has the scariest Halloween possible in which murderers chase after you and try to kill you, but nothing bad happens. Eat lots of peppermint candies. Uh, watch lots of spooky films. Enjoy your, your tricks and your treats. And we'll see you next time on the Third Man Podcast. As always... I'm looking for a home. Oh, we're looking for a home. See ya. Good night. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Was that any good? I'm going to check on the brats. Ariel, tell James I have to check on the brats. He has to check on the brats. You're going away. Bye, Paul. James, tell Ariel the brats are okay. The brats are okay. Oh, good. They appear to be sweating. They're sweating. Sweating brats. <laughs> we yeah, should cut all that out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it together. Stitch it together. Right? Like a Frankenstein. <laughs>